0: Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to c3church.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. Uh, Hey, so good to be together on Thanksgiving Sunday, and you know, would be uh, it would just be out of sync if we didn't talk about Thanksgiving and being thankful on Thanksgiving Sunday. And I'd love if you take your Bibles with me. We're going to read a couple of things, but I want to take you to one verse first of all. uh, My wife actually quoted it: Psalm 100, verse four. Psalm 100, verse four. If you got your Bibles, NIV. If you don't have a Bible, you can uh, you have a phone, right? So if you have a phone, you can have a Bible. And you can download the Uversion app. A lot of us use that for Bible study. Use that for reading plans. Uh, I, I love it. Uh, honestly, the first thing I do when I open my Uversion app on uh, any morning is I go through the list of the community list, all the people that are reading the Bibles, and go, I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that. So if you've got all these notifications on your Uversion, all these uh, likes, uh, it's because I'm trying to encourage you digitally. Keep reading that Bible. It's good for you. And uh, so we're going to read Psalm 100 verse 4 in the NIV. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Now, the, David, the writer of this psalm, the King David writing this psalm, he's, he's actually expressing something. I just want you to understand something. When we read the Bible, there's different, uh, different genres. There are different ways that the writers have written. And this is, uh, this is Jewish poetry. And Jewish poetry is not like uh, uh, North American English poetry where we have all things rhyming or, you know, haiku. or I don't even know how haiku works. Somebody could probably tell me. But uh, uh, all the different types of poetry that we have in this, this is, Jewish poetry is different. It works on a, generally, it's, it's two lines that mean the same or they mean the opposite. So in this case, here's what, here's what David's saying. He's saying, enter his gates with thanksgiving, and then he's repeating himself, he's saying, he's communicating the same thought again, saying, and his courts with praise. So he's saying, enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. In fact, then he kind of emphasizes this again, just so in case you missed what I'm trying to say, uh, what I'm saying is give thanks to him and praise his name. Okay, so here's, you know, I, I, know that, uh, I know that some of you are you know, probably more familiar with the whole idea of the Old Testament tabernacle or temple, but at the entrance to it would be gateways, and once you go through the gateway, you're immediately in the court. So, entering his gates is the same as entering the court. So, David's trying to communicate something to us here that we often miss. He's saying, thanksgiving is Praise. When we're thankful, it is praise, and praise is thanksgiving. We don't separate the two, although we have two different English words. We don't separate the two, but when we're giving thanks, that is a form of praise. Some people say, you know, I have a hard time in church. I don't know how to, you know, praise. I'm not kind of thankful. Do you know how to be thankful? You know how to be thankful? Because if we start off at that place of thanksgiving, we're thankful. We look around. It's interesting. There's so many things in the Bible where... Um, where uh, God says, don't do this, because it's actually the opposite of being thankful. Don't envy what somebody else has. It's pretty hard to be thankful when you're jealous. Right? It's, it's really hard to be thankful for when you're jealous. You know, we used to, uh, my wife used to give me a rough time, Pastor Kim used to give me a rough time. We'd go, occasionally go to car lots. And you know, I just like to go to a car lot just to look at the cars but she assumed that the moment we go to a car lot, we're buying a car. (laughs) And and so, say, hey, let's just go look at cars. No. Because it's a different, different, it was a different thing for her. She didn't want to go look at a car because that meant we're going to buy a car. It means the one we have isn't good enough, and it's going to cost us money maybe we don't have. Envy and covetousness and wanting things you don't have can cause you a lot of trouble. It's not a surprise that Paul writes to the church and says, he says, I, I've learned to kind of be content. See, you can't have Thanksgiving if you're not a little content. It's hard to get thankful when you keep looking and saying, hey, this is what somebody else is doing. This is, somebody else gets this, somebody else gets that. It's not a big surprise that this, that this theme in the Bible is that we're supposed to rejoice for other people. I know you and mean, I, 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 sometimes find it really hard to be excited for somebody else when they get what I wanted. Right? And in that challenge, that's a challenge. God said, hey, can you be thankful for somebody else when they get what you wanted? It's praise. That's thanksgiving. Right there, you're, you're doing something in the spiritual world when you do that. So David's talking about this, and and I want to uh, title my message this morning, Gratitude is the Gateway. Gratitude is the Gateway. So I want you to hear that gratitude is this thing that opens up, and gratitude is this thing that that takes us through the doorway of God's presence, takes us through the doorway of God's provision. I think sometimes we think it's faith, but I, I think that the Bible teaches us that it's actually gratitude that takes us into the place of God's provision. I'm going to invite you to uh, read a passage of Scripture with me out loud. I've I, uh, been thinking about this for a while. I thought, you know, it would be just great to just all of us read the Bible together out loud. I don't know if you realize it, but in the New Testament, they didn't have a uh, uh, written uh, New Testament, first of all. But they, they didn't. Uh, most people uh, didn't have access to written material. And uh, th- so they memorized and, and in the synagogues and in the early church, they would recite together. They would just read it together. It was oral, not written, which makes a lot more sense when Paul says faith comes by hearing, right? Because they're hearing the word of God, right? Because he said that. But I'd love if you read this along with me. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 to 21. We'll put it on the screen just so we can read the same version. Um, Actually, can can you change that to NIV? Perfect. It's not that the NIV is more scriptural than the NLT. It's just... What I've got written down here, and I want to be in sync with what you're reading. Uh, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes Caleb's all over it, happening. N L don't know that version. He went. Yeah, you know <laughs> he got it. All right, thanks, Caleb. All right, here. Let's read this together. Everybody, out loud. When Jesus heard what had happened. He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Men. I, I, I want to look at this passage and actually the story. I, I, I wanna, first of all, I want to place it properly within the story of Matthew. Just a little Kind of a couple of little keys on how we understand the Bible is we always take the Bible in the context it's which, in which it's written. And that doesn't just mean if you take one verse that you make sure you read the verse in front of it and the verse after it. We, we need to get the whole context of what this whole whole uh, book is saying. And Matthew, as a disciple of Jesus, is recounting sometime after Jesus' life, he's telling all these stories. Uh, First thing, just to help you with your Bible understanding, is Matthew's not necessarily telling this in chronological order. Um, When my wife and I get home, I tell her about my day, and she tells me about her day, but it's not necessarily in chronological order. More often than not, it's in the order of what I think is most important for her to hear. And Matthew's doing the exact same thing. He's trying to communicate to some Jewish people who are kind of nationalistic, and he wants them to understand that Jesus, because Jesus came to earth, he has provided a way for everybody, Jews and non-Jews, to come into the kingdom of God. And so Matthew's kind of communicating this intentionally. And if you So if you look, we're in Matthew 14, but if you look in Matthew 13, you'll see that Matthew 13 is all these parables. And so Jesus is telling all these parables, and then suddenly we get this kind of story that sticks out. He's telling all these parables, and then suddenly there's this little story. He says, yeah, he couldn't do many miracles in his own hometown. Well, it's a little, it feels a little out of sync because he's telling parables, teaching, and now all of a sudden he can't do that. And if you take the chapter divide out, you go into the beginning of verse, or chapter 14, then what happens is all of a sudden he's talking about John the Baptist. He's saying, what's going on here? All these parables, he's teaching all these parables about the kingdom of God. Now he's saying he's got no honor in his own hometown. Now he's talking about John the Baptist, but right at the beginning of chapter 14, he says, John the Baptist Herod had killed John the Baptist because John the Baptist, he thought Jesus was the resurrection of John the Baptist. Well, that's kind of a weird statement. And then he goes on to tell these two stories of the feeding of the 5,000 and then right after that he tells about Jesus walking on the water. So, what happens here is, is he's doing all this teaching, and then Matthew suddenly goes. He says, "You know what? I, I need to bring something up here." Jesus wasn't recognized; people didn't understand who he was. Herod thought he was like John, and actually, in some ways, he was because John said, "I don't know if you uh, have if I, uh, if you have this access accessible to you, but Matthew chapter three verse eleven says, John." is baptizing Jesus, and he says about Jesus, he says, I baptize you, or actually the people, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I am, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. Matthew's talking that same thing in chapter So here in chapter 14, he brings up John because he wants to demonstrate something to us. Jesus is more powerful and does more miracles than John ever did. So he's trying to make a point about who Jesus was, that he wasn't John. He was more powerful than John. So just the context of that story. So in that story, then, he tells this story about Jesus feeding 5,000 people. But I also want you to see something else. I'm just going to really quickly go through another few verses. And in these verses, it's uh, the same story. Same story. Matthew tells two stories of Jesus feeding crowds. Mark tells two stories of Jesus feeding crowds. Luke tells one, and John tells one. But there's something about those stories that all of the gospel writers say exactly the same thing. I, I want you to see if you can catch it. Matthew chapter 14, verse 19. We've already read this, but I'll read it again. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. Matthew 15, verse 36. Jesus is feeding 4,000 people. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. How about Mark chapter 6, verse 41? Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Mark chapter 8, verse 7. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. Luke chapter 9, verse 16. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. John chapter 6, verse 11. Remember, we're talking about the same two stories. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Can you tell me out of six stories, what's the same thing? What did what what all four of the gospel writers say, this is important that you hear this? What does he say? Jesus gave thanks. Every one of those stories, although they talk about Jesus breaking the bread, not everyone does. They talk about giving him to the disciples, but not all of the gospel writers say that. They talk about... Uh, they talk about distributing the food and how they distributed food and getting in groups. But not all of them do. The only thing that every gospel writer says in this passage where we've already talked about the fact that Mark's trying to or Matthew's trying to let us know that Jesus has got something going on. The only thing that all of those gospel writers say is Jesus gave thanks. Now, You'd have to go into these stories a little bit more, and i will just going to help you out with this one. There's one thing that they don't say, that none of them say, that doesn't even come up in these stories at all. And it's another word we normally associate with miracles. It's another word that we normally associate with having God do something for us. Can you think of what it might be? It's not praise. Help me out. What is it? There's one word that we, we it's, it's a big deal for us. When we come to God, we, we say we have to have this, but it doesn't mention it in this, any of these stories. None of the gospel writers mention it. Faith. Jesus is feeding thousands of people, and not once in any story, in any retelling of these stories, Do any of the gospel writers ever mention anything about faith of anybody? But every one of them says that Jesus gave thanks. Do you think that could say something? Is that possible that might mean something for our life? Is that possible that, that God, as he inspired these writers, he made sure that they emphasized the fact that sometimes we get going a little bit in the wrong direction on how we receive from God and how God does miracles in our life because we think it's up to us only just to have the faith for it to happen when in reality we need to learn how to be thankful for who God is so that God can do something. See, here's the thing, and the reason I put this in the context of Matthew to begin with, when Jesus, at the end of chapter 13 of Matthew, he goes to his hometown, they didn't know who he was. They couldn't figure out who he was. They couldn't be grateful for him, but here in this passage, then Matthew says, he says, then they get together, and Jesus, he just gives thanks. Now, sometimes we read this passage, and I've heard people say it, and say, you know what? This is, you know what Jesus did is he prayed a blessing over the food, Fair. Could have. You know, it might have been a blessing over the food. That'd be okay. Nothing wrong with praying a blessing over the food, but that's actually not what it says. This isn't Jesus blessing the food. And some of our translations do use that terminology. However, it's not quite accurate. It's, it's, it, Jesus is not blessing the food so that it'll ble- break, so that it'll multiply. You know, sometimes we think, we think, oh, here's, you know, Jesus took the bread and took the fish in his hand, and he, he prayed over it, and, and in that blessing of it, it multiplied. That's actually not it. He went, and he went, God, I thank you that you're my provider. I thank you for who you are. And in that moment of gratitude, Thankful for who God was, not for what he wanted or what he needed. He didn't pray, God, I thank you, you're going to multiply this food. How many times do we do that? It's called passive-aggressive. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> it's kind of passive aggressively. God, I thank you that you're doing this for me. I, I don't see it. I'm not happy to say, I go to my wife. Sweetheart, I really thank you that you're making dinner for me today at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. What am I doing? I'm trying to, like, manipulate her. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be disappointed, right? But but I'm not not taking away from the fact that sometimes we're grateful because we we know God's doing that. God, I thank you you're going to do that. But I think a lot of times we also use that gratitude thing to to try to manipulate God. God, I just want you to know I I know you're going to surprise me with a really good gift. You know, I, I thank you for that. This is not what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is just very simply, and the reason the gospel writers all include this in this passage is because it wasn't until after Jesus expressed this moment of gratitude that a miracle could take place. So let me go back to Psalm 100. What happens, what does the writer David say about entering the courts? What's in the courts? What's in the temple? Where is God at? God's in the temple. That's the place where you connect with God. That's the place where you worship it. And he says, the gateway, when you enter that, you come through there with gratitude. Gratitude is how you get there. Gratitude is how you get to the place where the miracle happens. Gratitude is how you get to the place where God reveals himself in your world. Not faith, per se, but gratitude Hear me today? Hear me today? See, this is, this is actually some pretty big stuff here. Because we're, we're a, you know, I talked last week, we're a faith church. I believe in faith. I, 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 We've got to have faith. Well, faith is impossible to please God. But without gratitude, you don't get into the courts. Right? Without gratitude, Jesus, at this huge miracle, and I love how Matthew, he tells these stories twice. Like, he gives us, he gives us two miraculous feedings. Two miraculous provisions. Two times when God provided something for people that they did not already have. It's provision. Something they needed but didn't have. How many times are we asking God to do something for us, to provide something for us, to to give us something when all we're doing is talking about what we don't have? quiet in here again let's go on Thanksgiving Sunday I'm talking about Thanksgiving I'm talking about gratitude I'm talking about this stuff that that see here here's the thing I want you to see this the gospel writers inspired by the Holy Spirit saw thought it was so important for us to see this thing that the, that the only thing that's consistent is Thanksgiving to produce a miracle. You know the things that happens when we're, when we uh, don't have stuff, when bills come, and, you know, we need help, is we tend to focus on the need, not the provider. Our prayers become a laundry list of what we want and what we need. And God's trying to tell us today that what he wants from us and the key, the gateway that lets us walk into miraculous provision of God, that lets us walk into God's uh, miracle position, God's miracle place, God's place where he does things and provides us, is to come in gratitude. Right? Right? Lord, give me more faith. Actually, God, help me to be more grateful. Lord, help me do miracles. Actually, God, let me speak more grateful for who you already are and what you've already done. God, I begin to thank you for what you've already done in my life, remembering these things. Right? Isn't what you know? It's interesting. I'll just say this: is the 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 word that the all the writers use "thanks" is actually the same word that gets the same root word that ends up being used in uh, describing communion. It's called Eucharist. It's the the same word that's carried right through this passage. And think about this. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Why? Because this is to be a celebration of thankfulness. What you've done for me, this thankfulness, gratitude. God, you've done something. We are, okay, can I say this? We live in a Western, selfish world. Most of us are whiny. Don't say it. Most of us whine about what we don't have, right? Most of us complain about what God hasn't done, Complain about what we don't have because we're looking at everybody else. Well, I mean, come on. You watch television, you get a, an ad on there. All that's designed to do is help you want something you don't already have. Somehow, <laughs> I remember, I'm, I'll be honest up front. I'm an Apple fanboy. I like Apple products. I remember listening to somebody one day. said, I don't know how Apple does it. But he said, they announce a new product, and that morning I didn't need anything new, but by the time that product's announced, I now have something that I didn't know this morning I needed, but I need it desperately. That's the devil. That's the devil. Right? It's not God making us ungrateful. It's the devil makes us ungrateful. Here. If this is true, if this is how it works, that, the, that, that gratitude is actually the gateway that takes us into God's miracle provision and miracle presence. If gratitude is actually the gateway, then why wouldn't the devil do everything he could to keep us from being grateful? I mean, we only celebrate it one day out of 365. I think it should get a little bit more airtime than that. I think it should be a whole lot more of what God wants to do in us because gratitude and being grateful sets us up for God's miracle. Let me just put this way, and I'm going to finish. Let's worry less about whether we have enough faith for a miracle, and let's think more about whether I'm grateful for what God's already done. And then let's begin speaking out of the gratitude of what God's already done. And we begin to sing the song that the saints sang, look what the Lord has done. And we begin to think about those things, and all of a sudden in, you see the whole Old Testament, every time God did something, they said, put up a memorial so you remember it. So that you go back and you're grateful for it. Otherwise we forget it. So we begin to think and say, God, you've done this for me. You've been great. I'm grateful for what you've done. I'm rejoicing. I'm thankful for what you've done. And so, God, I'm just so grateful because I know if you did it before, you can do it again. God, I'm grateful for who you are. I'm grateful for what you've done. Then we begin to walk into the place where God can do something. Are you with me, church? Hear what I'm saying today? Gratitude is the gateway. And we can all do that. You don't have to build up your faith to do that. You just have to stop and think of what the Lord's done for you. Some time ago, I, I'm a, I I live a lot of my life on routine. So I have a morning routine. And first thing in my morning routine is my coffee. This makes the whole rest of the day go better. And then I pray. And for years, I've, I've, I've used the Lord's Prayer as a pattern for praying, and I pray through that. But some time ago, I felt God saying, He said, I want you to add, I want you to start it with something else. I want you to start it with gratitude. So I've started praying. When I sit down, I say, God, I, I just want to stop and be thankful for these things. And honestly, I, I'll be 100% honest with you. Some days, it's not difficult to think of something to be thankful for, but I can't think of something new to be thankful for. It bothers me. It's like, but God, I, I told you I was thankful for that. <laughs> My wife and I have been married 42 years. I, I think, I, I think, you know, if I said to her, hey, babe, I told you I loved you the day we got married, and that's good enough. Just if it ever changes, I'll let you know. I don't think we'd be married 42 years. God wants us to daily come in, remember what the Lord has done. Say, well, I already said that. That's okay. Say it again. I can't think of something new. That's all right. You start down that path, you'll think of something new. God, I start think, when I when I'm praying, and saying, God, I just thank you for the church. I thank you for my family. And I start thinking, wow, I'm thankful for this in my family. I'm thankful for that in my family. I thank you that I'm sitting here on my deck in this beautiful sunshine. I got friends, they live in hurricane weather. I go to airport on my way to, to school and I go through that security line and it's six minutes. And I get on my phone and say, I'm really thankful for my six minutes. How long did it take you guys to get through? You're L.A. and you're, no, I don't brag on that. Much. But to be thankful, to look for things to be thankful about. Can I say something? If you learn to look for things that you can be thankful about, it'll help your relationships. If you learn to look for things that you're thankful for, it'll help your peace of mind. You'll be less anxious. If you look for things to be thankful for you'll begin to see things that God's doing that you didn't notice before. Not only will you have more miraculous things happen but you'll see more miraculous things happen because you're looking for them. When we live in gratitude we walk through the gateway that lets God do things in our life in ways we could have never imagined or seen before. be grateful. It's not just Thanksgiving Sunday. It's gratefulness is a way of life. Because when we do that, we walk into this place where God does things that we could never imagine because it doesn't depend on our faith. It just depends on me saying, thank you, Jesus. How easy is that? Well, maybe I should say how simple is that? Because easy isn't the same. But if we commit ourselves to that, I believe God's going to do some things in your life that you've never noticed before. I think God's going to do some things in your life that you didn't even imagine he could do before. I don't think anybody of those 5,000 people sitting there waiting to be fed thought Jesus was going to do it the way he did it. He did something they would never expected. But if we learn to be grateful, God will do something in your life that you never expected. God will do something in your world and your family that you never expected and you couldn't have the faith for because you couldn't see it. But because you're grateful, God opened a door that you could never open yourself. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.